Father, we just want to say thank you for the opportunity to be here. Jesus, I pray that you would speak into our hearts. Lord, I know we ask this every week, but Lord, even right now as we gather and we sing these words, that God, we would not be focused on coming to church and just getting something, just what we expect to have. But God, that we would come here today and we would offer ourselves to you to receive whatever it is that you have for us. Lord, I know we as people, we we like so many different types of music and we prefer different songs. And even when it comes to worship, we like and we prefer different things. But, But God, everything is meant to glorify you. And even when we sit here and we sing a song that just repeats the same words over and over again, God, when we read your word, you have created beings that surround you in heaven that constantly say and proclaim, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. They spend their eternity saying the same thing over and over and over again. And Lord, that is exactly what you created them to do. And Father, I pray that we would come into this place not to be misled or mistaken that church is about what we want or what we like or something that we could have or what we would prefer. But God, that this place and this time and the songs that we sing and the scripture we read and whenever we listen with our ears, that God, it would be for you. God, that it would be to glorify you. And Lord, it would be to open ourselves up to receive whatever it is that you have for us. To even be able to say that you are beautiful in all your ways. Lord, when we look around at this earth, there's so much going on that just, sometimes it's just hard to find beauty in it. But God, you have to have faith and we have to believe that you are beautiful in all your ways. To know in life that even if you don't bless us and you don't do certain things or work certain things out, that you are still good and you're still beautiful in all your ways. God, you expect us to come to you with that attitude. God, I pray today that we would open ourselves up to be led, to be changed, to be moved by you and by your spirit and by your word. to remember that there are beings that stand before you and say the same thing over and over and over again for all eternity and they are pleased to do it. Help us to never get bored. Help us to never get tired. Help us to never get frustrated with what it means to come and to worship you. Lord, we love you today. We thank you so much for the opportunity to be here and we pray for our brothers and sisters who aren't able to be here. We pray for our brothers and sisters around the world who doesn't have the same freedom and opportunity to gather in a place like this and sing beautiful songs and read from scripture because they don't have copies of your word like we do. God, I pray that we would worship you today. God, that everything that we do would be pleasing to you. 
God, you are the only reason that we're here. You're the only reason that we exist. And I pray, God, we would devote our lives completely and solely to you. Jesus, we love you today. We thank you for everything. And we ask all of this in the precious and holy name of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, you may be seated. Well, it is good to be here today, and I just want to thank you guys. Um, just kind of give you a little updated information. We have started, the sheetrock is put back in place. They're working on finishing it up. You can go in there, you can smell the mud on the walls. Um, it's a very good smell because it's very overpowering, and at the same time, it's progress. We're, we're working back into getting the sanctuary ready, and I know you guys will be excited about that, and uh, we're excited, so that is still a few more weeks out. Not sure exactly the time it's going to take to get everything done, because even after we get the sheetrock done, we've got a few more things that we need to do. But thank you guys for praying, for uh, being faithful, for giving in that. And um, So we're talking about the Word, this, this thing right here. And our title of today's series or today's sermon is, the word is alive. You know, we're talking about God's word. It's so difficult to think about how something, a, a, a book, like the world would classify this as a book, right? I mean, it's a book, it's papers, it's got a binding, um, fancy leather binding divided up in all these different chapters and scriptures and authors and all this stuff. And it's very difficult to think about how in a physical world that we live in that something that is on paper written by people could be a living thing. It's very hard to comprehend. And today this is what we're talking about. So I want to start off with our, our passage from 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 15 through 17. Um, this is the one that we say we're probably going to read every week as we do this and I just think it's important. But Paul writes to Timothy, he said, You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. There's an acknowledging in this of the power and authority of the Word of God, and even the fact that it has the ability to give you the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, the wisdom to receive it. That's huge. Because it's not just tied in in how you should live after you get saved, but it's, it's tied into the simple fact of it will help you be saved. It will give you the wisdom and understanding to know that you need Jesus Christ in your life in order to be saved. But in verse 16, it says, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong, and it teaches us to do what is right. One of the things that you'll notice about God's Word is that it's very much a double-edged sword. It reveals what is wrong, and it teaches us to do what is right. And even though whenever it reveals things in our life that shouldn't be there, it reveals things that are wrong, that can be painful sometimes, right? How many of you like to find out when you're wrong about stuff? Sometimes it hurts to acknowledge it. It hurts to realize you've been wrong about something, and it takes a lot of it takes a lot to swallow that sometimes. But God's word reveals to us things in our life that are wrong, things that need to be done away with. But it also teaches us what is right. And both of those things are good for us, right? I mean, when you teach your children, when you rebuke them, when you punish them, when you, when you guide them in their life, like they don't like it when it happens, but it's for their benefit in the long run that we do that. They benefit from it whether they realize it or not. 
It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Verse 17 says, God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. God's word is not only used for you, but it's used to do work through you. If you're sitting here today and you claim to be a believer in Jesus Christ, there's a need in your life to step out on faith and to trust in God and invest your life in this and build off of this because this is a huge part of the foundation that we should be living our life off of. And if we're not living our life based off of the foundation of the Word of God, chances are our life may come crumbling down and you will eventually have to start over again. God's Word is so important in our lives. And today our, our, our focus verse is going to be Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 is what we're going to be teaching from. It says, for the word of God is alive and powerful. Now, if you're sitting here today and you don't believe in Christ and you don't believe in God's word, you have to understand something. You're going to have to step out on faith and trust in this in order to experience how God's word is alive and powerful. If you claim to believe in Jesus Christ, if you claim to believe in God's word, you should already be trusting in the simple fact that God's word is alive and that it is powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. Remember how I said it was like a, two, a double-edged sword? All right? it, it deals with bad things and it deals with good things. All right? Cutting between soul and spirit. Now, I don't know if you ever thought about this before, but like, apparently there's a difference between your soul and your spirit. But, but it's so exact, it's so precise, it's so perfect that God uses it to cut and divide. And so he looks into the very depths of who you are, and no matter who you are or where you are, what situation you're going through, it has the ability to cut between soul and spirit to identify in your life what's truly in your heart, what's truly in your mind, what's truly in your desires, and reveal those things to you, whether or not they are healthy or unhealthy. And it, and it cuts between joint and marrow. And so you're dealing with something that God has written and designed and used many people to do this for you, that, that it has the ability to reveal things and to give you things, not only in the spiritual world, but even in the physical world. So you see the difference, it, it cuts between soul and spirit, and then between joint and marrow. You have this focus on the spiritual aspect of life, and then you have to focus on the physical aspect of life. But God's Word has the ability to do both. To reveal both, to help us in both. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. God's word is alive. And we're going to talk about that today in most of our points and everything we're doing. So point number one, if you're taking notes today, point number one, you need to understand that God's word is powerful. It is absolutely 100% powerful. In order for something to be powerful, it has to be given life. And God's word is alive, so therefore it can be powerful. There's a reason why people don't like scripture. There's a reason why people don't like God's word. Because it's powerful. It moves. It is a force. And whenever people read it, it reveals and exposes. It convicts. It makes People feel bad when you read it and you're not living according to it. People don't like it. 
You ever wonder why so many governments around the world are trying to do away with religion and trying to do away with God's word? And what's funny is, is even in our country today, when you look at America, you're looking at a nation that's not necessarily focused on suppressing any other religion, but guess what religion they're trying to suppress? Christianity. There's a vast effort to take the Ten Commandments out of the courthouses, to remove God's word from places, because God's word is powerful. And you talk about how people don't, don't like it. Leaders do not like God's word. Because they know whenever God's word is put into the hands of people and people read it and they believe it and they live by it, it reveals things to us. First of all, personally, it reveals how we should live and act as citizens, right? Because it does. You read God's word, it tells us that we should be obedient, we should be supportive, we should be great citizens of our country, God's word calls us to do that. And at the same time, God's word also reveals what leaders should be like. And whenever they read that, it's convicting to them because they know they're not living by that. And they know if we read it, we realize they're not living by it. It reveals a lot. It's powerful. That's one of the reasons why they do away with it. They don't want it. They don't want it in their lives. They don't want it available. Guys, look at me this morning. You think about our country and you think about the leaders in our country right now. If God's word became the standard upon which leaders should be able to serve, think about how many of our leaders would no longer be qualified to serve in their positions. And that's truth. And I say that today, and I'll pick on the church. There's a lot of people who serve in church. There's a lot of pastors around our country. That when you start looking at God's word and you start looking at what it means to be qualified to be in leadership, we can do this in the church too. There's a lot of people in church who are in leadership who shouldn't be if you start looking at God's word and looking at what's required by it. So I'm not just picking on government and politicians. I'm picking on all of us because God's word is applicable to all of us, but it's powerful. But you have to understand today that God's word is one of those things that it only has as much power as you allow it to have in your lives. You have to believe it. You with me? It's not going to have power if you don't believe in it. It's not going to have power if you don't open yourself up to it and allow it to change and impact and influence your life and learn it. And you look at this, one of my favorite stories in Scripture is the book of Jonah. And it's not because Jonah got swallowed by a big fish or because he got vomited up on the shore. I don't know if you ever really thought about how weird that is, but to me it's just amazing like to be living inside a fish and you get vomited up on the shore and you're covered in puke and now you got to go preach. I don't know about y'all, but every Sunday morning, it's just like, just got to make sure everything's just right or I'm like panicking for most Sunday mornings. But this guy gets thrown up on the beach from a fish and he goes into a city and he just does his thing. The reason why I love the book of Jonah is because you see the power of God's word when people believe in it and obey it. So you look at Jonah chapter 3, verses 4 to 10. Jonah just got threw up. And on the day Jonah entered the city, in chapter 3, verses 4 through 10, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. And the people of Nineveh believed God's message. Think about how simple that is. All right? Jonah comes, he delivers the message from the Lord, and all it says is, they believed. Key word, believed. You want God's word to have power in your life? You want to experience the power from God's word? You got to believe in it. You got to have faith. 
You got to be willing to invest the time in your life to read it, to know it, to learn it, and allow the power to be experienced in your life from it. Because the people of Nineveh saw this guy had puke all over him and comes and delivers God's message and they believe God's word. And look what it says they did because they didn't just say, I believe. It's not like Christianity where a lot of people say, I believe in Jesus, and then they don't do nothing about it. These people believed it enough that they were willing to go above and beyond to make sure that not only the world knew they believed it, but God knew they believed it. And from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. But it doesn't just stop there. When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne, he took off his royal robes, and he dressed himself in burlap and sat on a heap of ashes, even the king. Then in verse 7, the king and his nobles sent the decree throughout the city, no one, not even the animals from your herds and flocks may eat or drink anything at all. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I imagine... Most people did not participate in our prayer and fasting during the Lent season leading up to Easter. I hope you did, but I know it's kind of like one of those things. It's it's hard to do, hard to commit to, and, and stay with it for 40 days. I understand that. But here's a nation of people, a city of people, who gets to the point where they believe God's word so much that they say, we're not only fasting, but our animals are going to fast too. I would love to see some of you who's got cows and horses and dogs and cats and lock them up in a cage and say, nope, you can't eat either because we're all fasting and praying because we believe what God's word says. I guarantee you that's never happened in America. But they believed in it so much that they were willing to go above and beyond. Peoples and animals alike must wear garments of mourning. They even put garments of mourning on the animals, dress them in burlap. Can you imagine cats and dogs running around in burlap today? Fasting, not eating. You imagine how ill everybody would be? I don't know if you've ever been hangry before. Everybody would be miserable. We would not know what to do. But the people of Nineveh believed it so much that they were willing to go above and beyond to show God that they were repentive of what they had been doing. Now, this is huge, too. Think about this. People and animals alike must wear garments in the morning. Everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all of their violence. And in this message, think about the word of God. Jonah says, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. Period. And then all of a sudden, everybody's like, we believe this, and so we're going to turn from our evil ways. Jonah didn't come in there and say, you need to stop this, and you need to stop this, and you need to stop this, and you need to turn away from this, and you need to stop being violent. No, they already knew. You're sitting here this morning, you already know what's wrong in your life. You already feel guilt about it. If it's there, if there's something there that shouldn't be there, you already know it. You already feel guilt about it. You feel it in your heart. It's the thing that keeps you awake at night. It's the thing that makes you not as hungry and as satisfied in things of life. And it's just that constant thing that just keeps chipping away at your very soul and revealing to you what's missing. Because you can feel it. They knew. They stopped their evil. They stopped being violent. They turned away from it. In verse 9... They said, who can tell, perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. And when they went into this, 
This wasn't like Jonah said, if you turn from this, God will spare you. No, 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 no. It it wasn't like that. They said, you know what? We believe this enough that we're willing to turn away and to fast and pray and mourn and even make our animals do it and pray earnestly to God. And they said, perhaps he will be merciful and not carry out his plans against us. It was just hopefully so. We'll do this anyway. We want to show God that we're sorry and maybe he'll do this. In verse 10, it says, When God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction that he had threatened. God's word's powerful. When you believe it and when you act on it and you live by it, it is very powerful, even to the point of changing God's intention and his mind on what he has for you. you got to believe that you got to have faith in that. But what happens when we don't believe in God, when we don't trust in his word? Because there's the prophet Jonah. We just read a prophet and his message to the people of Nineveh. And we watch what happens when they believe. But what happens when a message is delivered by God through a person and they don't believe? Look at Jeremiah chapter 42, verses 13 through 17. And the people of Judah are about to be overtaken. War is at their doorsteps. They know it's coming. Israel's already been done for. Judah's left. And the leaders of Judah are trying to figure out what they are going to do to have their safest option that they can have to maintain life and their existence. And and Jeremiah delivers this message to these leaders of Judah, verses 13 through 17 of chapter 42. And listen to what he says. He says, but if you refuse to obey the Lord your God, and if you say, we will not stay here, Instead, we will go to Egypt where we will be free from war, the call to arms and hunger. Then hear the Lord's message to the remnant of Judah. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says. If you are determined to go to Egypt and live there, the very war and famine you fear will catch up to you and you will die there. That is the fate awaiting every one of you who insist on going to live in Egypt Yes, you will die from war, famine, and disease, and none of you will escape the disaster that I will bring upon you there. And guess what happens to the leaders of Judah? They did not believe God's message. They did not believe his word. In fact, they took Jeremiah captive. They all went down to Egypt, and they took Jeremiah with them as a captive, and God carried out every aspect of his promise that he said he would do. As people, we have to understand that God's word is powerful. And when you talk about God's word and living according to God's word, and if you believe it, it is very powerful in our lives. There's spiritual blessings that come from it. There's physical blessings that come from it. And you can't tell which ones God is going to bestow on you at any given point in time. But I'm telling you this today. You with me? People who live according to God's word, people who live for the Lord and who you know they're so... I've never seen a person living for the Lord homeless or hungry. Not one. I've seen a lot of people who say they believe in God be homeless, be hungry, be hurting, be broken, have a lot of stuff going on in their life, have a lot of problems. But saying that you believe in actually living it out and serving the Lord is two totally different things. People who live it out, people who are devoted to serving God, I've never seen one homeless or hungry. They may not be millionaires. They may not be famous. They may not be driving around in Lotus, Maseratis, or Lamborghinis, 
but they have everything they need. You with me today? People who don't live according to God's word, they don't get to experience the power and the blessings of God's word, but instead they get to experience the power of God's wrath in their life. Because what happens is, is when we don't live according to God's word, after he tells us and he speaks to us, because think about this, you're at church this morning. You've heard the message of the Lord. Most of you in here have been here multiple times. You've heard God's word preached. You know the difference between right and wrong. You know what you should be doing. And when you run from that, God says there's consequences that go along with not listening to my word. If I'm willing to take a nation of people and punish them and take them to exile and let all them experience my wrath, don't think for one second that you as an individual won't experience the wrath of God by not living according to his word and what he's called us to do. There's power in God's word. It's powerful. But to experience the power of God's word, you have to believe it and live by it. Because if you don't, you're experiencing the wrath of God. And a lot of times, we're experiencing all these negative consequences that are happening in our life because we're not living according to God's word. And we don't even know that it's God saying, hey, I'm not going to bless you. I'm not going to honor you. I'm not going to let you be okay in life while you're not living according to my ways and my word. I want you to live for me. I'm trying to get your attention so that you get into this and you live for me and have a relationship with me. Nineveh was an enemy of the Lord's people. I don't know if you ever realized that or not. It was actually prophesied that the people from Nineveh, who would eventually be Babylon... And that whole kingdom would conquer Israel and Judah. And that's why Jonah didn't want to go. He did not want those people to exist. He wanted God to destroy them. You ever think about that? He wanted God to destroy them. He was running to the other end of the earth because he understood that God was merciful and that he would forgive them if they repented of their sins. He ran away. He wanted them to live. He did not want to give them the message of repentance because if they repented, God would forgive them. They were an enemy of the people of Israel and God forgave them anyway. You with me this morning? God does not want people to perish. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He doesn't want anyone to be in hell. He does everything that he possibly can to offer it as much as he can to people to give them the opportunity to turn away from their sins and turn to him. And even an enemy of his chosen people was forgiven and spared. And eventually, those descendants of those people were the ones who were coming in to conquer Israel and Judah. I don't know if you ever thought about that before. And yet his own people, Abraham's descendants... When they refuse to listen to the word of the Lord, what you have is an entire Bible from the book of Exodus, whenever they exit out of Egypt, through Judges, through Second, First and Second Kings, First and Second Samuel, all of the prophets, every time the people of Israel refuse to be obedient to the word of God, you see the punishment and the wrath of the Lord exerted over and over and over again in an effort to bring his people back to him so that they would honor him and live according to his word. The whole Bible. That's what it's about. You have to believe. In order to experience that power, you have to believe in it and invest in it. Point number two, the word is life-giving. I don't know if you've ever just sit around and you think about stuff before, but since God has created everything 
every living thing that has existed since that time has come from another living thing. Whether it be an animal, a human, a plant, whatever it is that's living, it's, been, it's come from the seed of a previous living thing. And God's word is life-giving. And so because it is life-giving, it has to be alive in order for it to be life-giving, right? I mean, theoretically, from what we understand in this world, that would be true. And God's word can give life because it is alive. And guys, I want to tell you this morning, like you could be sitting in here today and you could claim to have faith in Jesus Christ and you could have everything you need and you feel as dead as a doornail. Like you just feel completely, utterly dead. God's word can give us life. Let's look at this. First, I'm sorry, John, the gospel of John, chapter one, verses 12 through 14. John writes, he says, But all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn. You ever think about that? You ever think about how many times it's mentioned in Scripture that people are supposed to be reborn? That, that you could be alive and yet still be dead. And this morning, I guarantee you, if, if like you are in that situation, you feel it. There's a lot of people who are alive. They have everything they need. You can be healthy, wealthy, fat, rich. You can have everything that you need and be rotting from the inside. You can still be dead. God knows that we as people, we may have physical life, but we need to be reborn. And whenever he's talking about this, Verse 13, he says, they are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. Guys, we need to be reborn. And look at me. It's not just one time. Think about this. It's not just one time. It's not just one time that you go down to the altar and you say, I believe in Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden you're reborn and you have life and you just feel great from that point on. Anybody who's sitting in here who's been a Christian for any amount of time can know, you know, there are times in your life where you feel dead. Like you got saved, you went to the altar, you've lived for Jesus, you know his word, and there are times when we feel dead and we need to have life given to us daily. We have to be reborn daily. Not that you have to go down to the altar and ask for Jesus to save you over and over and over again, but you need to come to him and to be filled by him daily to receive life from him. God's word gives us life. We have to go to it daily to receive that life. And if you don't go to God and you don't go to the word and you don't receive that life daily, chances are you could be a believer in Jesus Christ and still feel dead, drained. The world does that to us. That we feel drained and dead. And in verse 14 it says, So the word became human. You know who the word is? The word. The word. Not the Bible. The word. Jesus is referred to as the word. Became flesh and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory. The glory of the Father's one and only Son. So we talk about the word. We're also talking about the word. It's the same thing. Jesus Christ came to fulfill 
the Old Testament. Every aspect of it, every prophecy. When you talk about Jonah and you talk about Jeremiah, even Jonah being in the fish, the belly of the fish for three days, and Jesus had to be in the heart of the earth for three days. There's so many prophecies and parallels in this that Jesus came to fulfill every aspect of the Old Testament, and at the same time, he came to give you every aspect of the New Testament. He is the Word. Jesus is the one who brought it to life. And because it's alive, it can give life. But you have to let it. You can't just sit here today and reject it and wonder why you feel dead on the inside and wonder why your life just feels dead and it's not moving and it's not going anywhere and your faith in God isn't going anywhere. God is the kindest and gentlest gentleman that exists in existence. There's a lot of the same stuff I just said, but you know what I mean. He is. God is not going to force himself on you. He's not going to make you follow him. He's not going to force you to do anything in this world, but he calls to you gently. Some of you, you might be a little more stubborn than others. He might do something to get your attention more than others. You may need that. If you're, stu- if you're like me and you're stubborn, you need to get that. Some, something hard has got to get your attention. But God is a gentleman. He's not going to force himself on you. He calls to you. He gives you his word. He offers you his son daily. And it's not just one of those things where he says, oh, I give it to you now. And I'm not. He's not this bipolar mate that you can have. It's like today I like you, tomorrow I don't. He constantly wants to give himself to you. His son, his word, it's always available. He speaks to us. And there's times in your life where you feel the conviction and stuff in your heart more than others. But he's always calling to you. But it's your choice you got to decide whether or not you're going to believe and have faith and step out and do it and follow him. The people of Nineveh trusted God. They believed the message. The people of Judah did not. And it didn't matter that the people of Judah were a tribe of Israel and had the temple and had, had all that. So it didn't matter. The fact was is one believed and one didn't. And you have to decide whether or not you're going to believe. In John chapter 3, Nicodemus comes up to Jesus and he says, Lord, how can I have eternal life? How can I have heaven? Jesus says, you need to be reborn. You're a religious leader. You work in the temple. You know all about God. You know all the scriptures. And yet Nicodemus had no clue what Jesus was talking about. Lord, how can I go back into my mother's womb? That's such a weird image to even think. Like, that's what crossed. How can I go back into my mother's womb and be reborn as a grown man? And Jesus basically paraphrasing says, stop being silly. It's not a physical thing. It's not a physical thing. There's, there's nothing in this physical world that can give you eternal life or give you what you want or is going to make you whole. It's a spiritual thing. God alone can give you eternal life. God alone can help you to be reborn. It's a spiritual birth. And guys, that's exactly why you can be living, breathing, healthy, wealthy, and yet still be rotting from the inside. To be as dead as anyone else in this world. And it's also the reason why you can look at people in this world and they can be poor and broken and hurting and sick and they can have more happy joy and peace than anybody else around them. It's what drives people who have everything. They have everything that you could want in this world. It's what drives them crazy to see people who don't have it and say, Why are you so happy? I've got everything. I should be happy and I'm not happy. And these people over here say, 
because I got the only thing that I need to make me happy. And it talks about it in this. You have Jesus Christ. You have God's word. You have everything you need. Because everything in this world is temporary. It's going to pass. It's it's not going to last. And if you have God and you have Jesus Christ, no matter what comes your way, you have something better to look forward to. God, you're beautiful in all your ways. No matter what happens in life, if I suffer, if I die, if we lose everything, God, you are beautiful in all your ways. That's why somebody who really believes in Jesus Christ can say that and mean it. That's why Henry Cash could stand up on Easter Sunday and say, if somebody came up in here shooting today, they could shoot me. I'd be okay with it. I'm ready to go. Because he's the one. And he, he believes it. James chapter 1, verse 21 says, So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your souls. You got to get rid of the junk and then you got to let this thing take hold of your life because it has power. It has the power to save your soul If you believe and if you let it, but if you refuse it and if you reject it, you're not going to experience the power of God in your life. Point number three. The word is unchanging. You know, this is perhaps one of the greatest miracles, conundrums of all existence is how the word can be so old, written so long ago on a completely different continent by completely different people to a different culture over the span of 1,400 years by 66 different people, and yet it's unchanging and still relevant and applicable to our lives. And to a physical world who's basing everything off of what they understand in our world, that doesn't make any sense at all. But to a person who has been reborn, who has experienced a spiritual rebirth, can understand and believe and invest their life in this right here to know that this is truth. It's applicable. It's relatable. It's why you can read the book of Jonah. And even though it was written by Jonah, and it was talking about the people of Nineveh, and even though they responded to it, that's why we can read that book today and we can still receive a message from the Lord from it. It can still impact and change our lives. And that's why we can read the book of Jeremiah And we can look at how God sent this message to the people of Israel. And even though they didn't heed the message, we can still learn from it and grow from it today because it's alive. And it's unchanging. It hasn't changed, but yet it's still powerful. It's still working and moving in our lives. 1 Peter 1, verses 23-25 says, For you have been born again. (gasps) There's another rebirth. You have been born again. But not a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. You are reborn because of God's living eternal word. He has decreed it so. He said that it could be done, so therefore it can be done. God's word's powerful. As the scriptures say... 
Here's another example of the New Testament with its several thousand quotes from the Old Testament. And Peter is quoting from the book of Isaiah. He says, as the scriptures say, people are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers and the flowers fade. But the word of the Lord remains forever. Not only is it unchanging, but it lasts forever. You sit around and you think about this. I just want you to think about this before you leave today. Think about this tonight when you're laying in bed. Every single thing that you know in this physical world will cease to exist at some point in time. Your body, your home, the chair that you're sitting in will eventually be broken and thrown in the trash and buried, and heaven and earth will be destroyed by fire, and God will create a new heavens and a new earth, and if you believe in Jesus Christ, you put your trust and faith in him, you will receive a new spiritual heavenly body to live with him one day. The only thing in existence that will transcend from this world to that world is the word of God. Though the heavens and earth pass away, the word of the Lord remains forever. What is spoken by God is truth. It's eternal. It doesn't change. And even though we're not perfect and we don't necessarily live by it, doesn't mean that it's imperfect. We're imperfect. It's perfect. It will stay. It will remain. It will transcend through eternity. In Psalm chapter 119, verses 159 through 160, and the author of this psalm is unknown, but it says, See how I love your commandments, Lord. Give back my life because of your unfailing love. The very essence of your words is truth. All your regulations will stand forever. Even the author of the psalmist is sitting here and say, Your regulations, your word, it lasts forever. And you have the power to give me back my life. And I love your word. I love your commandments. But guys, you with me this morning? It's very difficult to live this out. It's very difficult to live this out when you don't know it. And let's be honest, it's really hard to know something if you don't love it. If you don't love God, it's going to be really hard to know his word. There are people who know God's word. I talked about one last week who know God's word and don't necessarily love God. But if you love God, it's going to be much easier for you to know this. It's really hard for young people to date today. You know, for, for young men who are seeking someone to date, it's, it's very, very difficult because there's a fine line between romantic and stalker. There is. I mean, a girl wants a guy to pursue her. Right? To show interest, to notice her, to realize things that she likes and have common interests. And that's what it's all about, right? And, and the line for a girl between stalker and romantic uh, shifts according to who the person is. So if they like you, they will, the, the line will move much more towards romantic. Even though you might be real weird, they'll think that you're being romantic. And for someone that she's not interested in and she doesn't want to pursue her, the least little thing that they do will be stalker, will be inappropriate, right? I'm picking on you ladies a little bit. You know it's true. It's very true. When you think about God, you don't have to worry about the line shifting back and forth. You don't have to worry about how ugly you are, how beautiful you are, how dirty or clean you are. You don't have to worry about how OCD or neat or, or messy you may be. The line never shifts. God loves you. 
He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to be intimate with you. And he constantly offers his son and his word to us as salvation and as guides to help us not only live in this life, but to honor him in this life, to serve others in this life. But the question is, is like whether or not you're going to care enough about it to read his word, to know what it is that God wants you to do. Because he loves you. He wants a relationship with you. He wants you to spend time with him. And he wants you to spend time serving him and doing things for him. There's specific things that God has called you to do as an individual. And his word speaks to you and will help reveal those things to you. But if you never love God enough to get into his word and read it and learn it, you're not going to know. And guys, when you talk about God's word being alive and being powerful and how it's unchanging and all these aspects of God's word, you are not going to experience that until you step out on faith and begin living your life and investing in God's word to know it. You with me today? You're just not. You got to have faith. You got to step out on that. And that's why last week I gave the 40-day challenge. Like 40 days. Just spend 40 days. Like create a habit of reading God's word one chapter a day for the next 40 days and see whether or not it will change your life. Are you going to be like the people of Judah who said, no, we don't believe your message. We're still going to Egypt. Are you going to be like the people of Nineveh who says, let's go above and beyond and let's, let's do this. Perhaps the Lord might forgive us and he might overlook these sins. Perhaps he will be merciful. Because there was no guarantee. You're sitting here this morning. There's no guarantee God's going to bless you. There's no guarantee God's going to speak or work and move in your life. But he might. And the question is, is whether or not you're going to step out on faith. And invest the next 40 days of your life in reading God's word to see if perhaps he might do so. Because in my experience when it comes to the Lord, those who seek tend to find. Those who ask tend to receive. God's word says that. But those who don't go looking for it, those who don't go seeking, those who don't go asking, they tend not to get a whole lot. And the question is, are you going to be the person who goes to seek are you going to be the person who just sits around and waits on the power of God to show up in negative ways rather than positive ways in your life? Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this day, for the opportunity to be here and to worship you and to sing your praises. And Lord, we thank you for your word. I pray, Father God, that you would touch our hearts and lives. And Lord, just help us to be open. God, from the youngest to the oldest, I pray that we would commit ourselves to you and your word and that we would live according to your ways. Lord, that we would not be so reliant on preachers to give us messages, that we would not be so reliant on churches to guide us, but God, we would get into your word and we would see for ourselves what your word says and how it wants us to live. Lord, help us not to be afraid but to be excited to step out on faith and expecting you to move and work in a great way. We love you and we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You're dismissed.